Welcome to the Wildly Tarot Podcast. Hi, Esther. Hello, Holly. I didn't start recording when you started recording, so <laughs> our banter's lost to the sands of time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, it's fine. Yeah, exactly. Sorry. You're, you say, oh, well, it's fine, but your va- your face does not say, oh, well. No, I'm fine. just thinking of, like, at least I don't do to, like, edit my own stream of thoughts that make no sense to anybody but Holly. So. <laughs> well, but it was really fun to talk about because we were talking about lighthearted things that we've been doing to make ourselves happy. And yeah. <laughs> and it was fun. That's always fun. Exactly. So yeah. Esther's banter. <laughs> yes. My, my recommendation for Holly, I've been like shoving this down everyone's throat, but it's a British TV show called Taskmaster. On YouTube. It's on YouTube. I think the seven seasons, like they just finished the the seventh season. It's going into the 10th season on TV, but they have been uploading seasons on YouTube. Yeah. Super far behind. As per you, you <laughs> can't get the good British comedy on American television. I know. It's even annoying. even with VPNs. It's just rude. So, um, <laughs> so this TV show is basically my favorite thing because it's a, like a 30 minute program and you can watch British comedians if you're familiar with British comedians like they uh-huh. change everything every season so you, it's not like if you watch the seasons out of order it doesn't matter but they're given tasks to do that are just random tasks to fulfill <laughs> every episode and um and it's just fun to watch people like try to puzzle through stuff and you don't yeah. feel as much like an idiot anymore so like <laughs> So like so, some of some of it's like slide the furthest, and so they have to figure out okay, so how can I slide the furthest? And some people, you're like, wow, you sweet summer child, you have no you're idea. Terrible at sliding. How to how to do this, you know? Or um or some like some other tasks or like time task or like move this object into this object without touching or moving other things, and it's just a lot of fun. That sounds so fun. Any sort of like investment emotionally other than just yeah. having fun because like you can like leave in the middle of an episode yeah and you're like not, not as be worried about them exactly yeah. and it's just like and some you know most of they really balance the cast out really well because i mean pretty much all the comedian many comedians in britain on tv are they know each other so they have yeah, like totally. already good rapport with each other and so like you get really really great dynamics between people like very dry senses of humor and other ones yeah. are like presenters on TV like morning show hosts and stuff so like that. So they're all like really well versed in putting on a fun show. Exactly. That sounds awesome and it's kind of like the I guess the similarity to the thing that I've been consuming that's been making me feel so happy is that there's like not a lot of fear and em- emotional investment in it. Yeah. And that is Mariah Carey's <laughs> memoir on audiobook. <laughs> Because, and I like, I am emotionally invested in her fully, but also I know that she's Mariah Carey and she's fine. Mm-hmm. Like, she's incredibly successful, incredibly beloved. Like, she's doing great. And so right. when she's talking about her childhood and her first marriage, which was so dysfunctional and abusive, like, you know that at the end, she's fucking Mariah Carey. Like, she right. did it. And also, it's she, like, sings throughout. Mm. She's like, it's just like... Such a fun memoir to listen to. I have been obsessed and I'll probably listen to it again because it is just like she 
got famous so young. Right. So it's like kind of the opposite of what you're saying where you're like, oh, these people, you know, you're watching people do silly things. This is like watching somebody do things better than anyone else in the whole entire world <laughs> could do it. So right. it's not like, so it's not reassuring in that way. Like there's right. no way that anyone else could ever do that. But it's just so fun. And she literally is singing throughout. I just got through an anecdote about her recording some song with Debrat, and like she knew that her whole house had security cameras and was bugged because her first oh. husband was a complete monster except for in her closet uh-huh and so she like was giving debrat a tour of the house and debrat like i don't if you're familiar with her dear listener she she was like always wearing like big bulky sportswear like that sort of aesthetic 90s rap aesthetic and so mariah was like i know she doesn't give a shit about my shoes but she was just loudly talking about all of her fancy shoes and Uh all of her designer shit just as they were going into the closet so that she could like joke and laugh and have fun with her in the closet without anyone being suspicious about like why they were isolating basically right and it's just like i don't know it's just like she's she's talking about heavy stuff but her ghostwriter that is getting full credit on the cover with her and everything, she and her ghostwriter did like such an amazing job of making it all seem so self-aware and uh-huh. like nostalgic and understanding. Like she just knows what now what she was going through then so well. So it's like mm-hmm. really fun to listen Aww. to somebody who's a stuff. And also it's like freaking Mariah Carey. And she's mm. so self-aware that at one point she's like talking about how when she first, cause she's from Long Island, when she first moved into New York city, she would like look up at the tall, you know, buildings and be like, I'm literally living in a crawl space above someone's kitchen. Like uh-huh. I can't even sit up in my bedroom and someday it won't be like that anymore. And then she like fully, Without having it be like, you know, the implication is that now she's Mariah Carey and she has this huge penthouse in New York. She actually says like, and now from my living room, I can see everything. And it's like such a beautiful way of like, I, and I think that only like true, true divas can get away with this where it's like basically saying, look at this awesome shit that I have without people hearing it and being like, okay, braggy. Like, right, right, (laughs) right. Like, you've like, really accomplished something. Like, to me, it's, like, the same thing with, like, Celine Dion. Yeah. Like, she is, like, like this you know, infectious personality who is so iconic. And not that she can't, like, that she's not, she can't be a bad person. But she, in my eyes, can do no wrong. Like, just right. let Celine Dion do her thing and she can have, like, you know, Las Vegas shows. I don't yeah. know. And Mariah Carey can unironically tell an anecdote about being really obsessed with Marilyn Monroe and then buying her piano at auction and saying like this is the most expensive piece of art and I bought it because I love Marilyn Monroe so much and you're not like Mariah that's a little cheesy you're like yes girl you did it congratulations I love that oh so So anyway I think that like the moral of the story is stuff that you can like like what's making us happy is stuff that feels like the resolution is known yes yes Mariah Carey's (laughs) fine the comedians who are participating in the show that you were talking about there's it's so low stakes that you're right. not like worried for them <laughs> exactly we're just yeah exactly that's that's exactly what it is i'm like i'm not worried about any like outcome i'm not offended everything's yeah. fun and light and just and i'm happy that. for you all for yes. getting to do these things <laughs> exactly <laughs> i'm inviting this joy and happiness into my life i love it and Me that's too. helping so much because it we're does. just i mean what we're not saying is that it is currently the 8th of October and all of us are just living in like abject terror. So (laughs) exactly. 
French version of Antique Ooh. Anatomy. Do you have just all the Antique Anatomies in a row on your like tarot <laughs> no. desk? I have one in every location and two in some. Like okay. right here, I have the French one and one in English. Upstairs, I have the original one, the indie ver- or one of the oh, indie right. versions. I don't know. I have so many copies of this deck, and Claire is sending me the Spanish version, so I'm going to be even more overwhelmed and then eventually you'll send me the the korean Korean version version. whenever that comes out i keep stalking their publishers i'm like hello excuse me you said (laughs) september it It is now october we have emerged into a different month come on yeah exactly (laughs) we're no longer in september in any frame of reference okay it's basically mid-october we're basically in 2021 we are uh okay so i pulled the high priestess oh I do like that. Just cut out me trying to say it in French because that okay. was definitely wrong. Oh, I, I will. Uh, I will. I will just cover it with like some bells, so people are wondering how you pronounced it. <laughs> so it'll be just be a mystery that only you and I know. Your I will always it. love it when you insert bell sounds into our podcast. Every single time you've done it, it's made me laugh. I mean, it's fine. I almost did it on Claire's the other day when um, when she wanted me to put in my like little Hilda blurb in her Ask Me Anything episode. Uh-huh. I was like, but then that's too cheesy because her episodes are so serious and like, yeah. very spooky. <laughs> and then I looked for I looked for church bells or like, you know, death bells. And there was nothing other than like rude gongs. I'm like, OK, I can't do this. <laughs> A rude gong. A gong was like, boom. And I'm like, OK, I can't work with this. <laughs> So That's just, not the vibe I'm going for. Exactly. So I would just I just went with my voice and was like, it's fine, Esther. It's fine. Don't think. <laughs> Don't overthink it. Don't overthink it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Our first question of the episode is from Emma and she asks, here's a big old what can I expect question. I'm a first year general education teacher teaching in an inclusive second grade classroom. We are currently entirely remote, meaning I teach over Zoom four days per week and use an online program for our asynchronous activities. I have a special education co-teacher and an instructional assistant. Yes, my school is an absolute blessing. While we have had challenges this year, I'm incredibly happy with our virtual classroom. My students are regularly attending and completing their assignments. Inappropriate student behaviors are at a minimum. It feels like we are just in the swing of being successful with this new way of teaching and learning when my new school lets on that we will likely go hybrid sooner than I imagined. Hmm. The hybrid scenario means students attend school in person for two days and then receive three days of asynchronous virtual instruction, a.k.a. less live instruction than currently. As a teacher with an autoimmune disease, I am worried about returning to in-person teaching for my health, but more largely for the sense of instability this will create. Yeah. At, at any day, we could return to remote learning, and my little seven-year-olds will be expecting to make that big transition again. I worry about losing more instructional time as we teach COVID procedures and implement those procedures. Keep in mind that I could elect to stay home and be responsible for virtual classroom for students who choose to remain remote because of my health concerns. But what will happen to my in-person classroom? 
I could go on and on about my concerns. Here, (laughs) I'm turning to the cards. My questions are, what can I expect from starting the hybrid model? How will this impact my students? How can I best support myself during the transition and implementation of the hybrid model? How can I best support my students and their families? Will the hybrid model last? Where can I expect success? <sighs> so stressful. I don't yes. understand the hybrid model like from a disease prevention perspective, perspective. at all. <clears throat> but I understand it from an instructional perspective. Yes. Uh, okay, so it's a lot, Emma. I'm sorry that yes. you're going through this. I we obviously Esther is a teacher and all of us have tons of friends who are teachers. Yes. So we know how stressful it is. Yes. Um, where shall we start? I think <laughs> just starting with the questions. Cause I mean, it's like as a, I have been traveling to all the different schools in my area since like the beginning of August. And it's, you know, like just any sort of procedures that I've been going through make no sense either. So it's kind of like, <laughs> no matter how practical you are, it's also just like, what is germ warfare and why don't people think about that? So, <laughs> <laughs> so my, I like just from the beginning, like my, I empathize deeply with you and your concerns yeah. with the classroom and your students learning and what's best for them and what's best for yourself. So I am very, very, um, honored that you would ask us to help you with this and yeah. hopefully the cards can shed some light and give some encouragement to you. Yeah. I think that it's hard to just go through the questions as written only because there's such a lot, like one of the things that we're always trying to do is make sure that there's like action steps or methods that you as the querent can take to make yourself feel better or whatever. And with something like what you can expect from starting the hybrid model it gets more complex because so much is not in your control. So like so much of it will be, you know, if students are on board, I mean, they're seven year olds, so it's not really their choice, but if parents are supportive, if your school continues to be supportive and in what ways, like there are so many things that aren't in your locus of control that it makes it a little bit harder to ask the questions specifically, especially maybe like, will the hybrid model last? Like there's no freaking way that, I mean, we're super wary of doing time frame questions. Right, like a long term existential question: Will the light, will the hybrid model last? No, it won't last. Like for the next five years, you know, it's, it's very. You <laughs> Don't know, it's very... <laughs> say that out loud, Esther. Knock on some freaking wood, at least. <laughs> it's it's basically not a method built to last. Yeah, opinion. totally. So, or like it yeah. wasn't it's not intended to last a long time. So, so, but we can start with what can you expect from the hybrid model, just from your own, for your own, own person, personal, maybe rather right. than like how it'll impact your students necessarily, because each one of them are going to be having different experiences with it. Right, right. So maybe like what you can expect from starting the hybrid model and then how you can support yourself and your students through the mm-hmm. transition. Right. Um, so that's like three total questions rather right. than maybe like the impact on the students because mm-hmm. it's going to vary so widely. Right. Um, and I think that where I can expect success is a great question, but yes. the will the hybrid model last thing is a little bit yeah. complex too. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So what can Emma expect from starting the hybrid model of instruction? Chaos is the answer. <laughs> <sighs> I'm using Golden Girls Tarot to bring some happiness and joy Woo-hoo. into this moment. What can Emma expect? 
just like did you just pull the tower no i pulled okay. the two of wands though which makes it feel like you can expect that it's going to be a much longer planning process it's mm-hmm. not going to be something that can just be switched into right like it's going to be have it's going to have to be something that's a little bit more planned or you're going to have to get comfortable with it not being as planned as you would like it to be mm-hmm. and i drew the queen mm-hmm. of cups and king of wands so to me it's it's going to take some fortitude and some emotional civility yeah and just kind of reminding yourself of the strength and like both the rational strength and the emotional strength that you already have when you're going into it so you can kind of like show show enough confidence i think with that king it's like showing Mm -hmm. the confidence that you can plan well right will make it easier for sort of like the transition to happen yeah because that's tough and Mm -hmm. and also people are going to be looking to you even though you know you don't have all the answers seven-year-olds only see an adult in front of them right right (laughs) well i'm just thinking of like little ducklings that the first thing they see is their mom and so it's kind of they've imprinted pretty much (laughs) like hi you're the adult on the screen uh how can i best support myself during the transition yeah supporting herself yeah i like that what did you get i got the seven of pentacles and the nine of cups i got the nine of wands wow that's two nines yeah i think again it's just kind of like the practice makes perfect thing like yeah you and also some of the the queen of cups energy from the first question with Mm -hmm. the nine of cups it's kind of like you have a lot of stuff you can feel proud of Mm -hmm. and so the things that are going to feel the most like maybe the way to support yourself the most are like the small minute things and that's good and just recognizing that those coordination that coordination of like the small tasks is going to be what is the most exhausting mm-hmm. is just, you are going to maybe feel like you should be more competent at the hybrid model than you're going to maybe initially feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Too, especially with the nine of wands with like Sophia yeah. leaning against that wand or staff to me, it's like depend on your, what you've already accomplished. Like don't try to recreate the wheel essentially Kind of look at what you've already done. Don't worry about like reinventing things right now. Think yeah. about persevering through this. And on the other side, you can think about like how to make things different. But at this moment, like for you to support yourself, it may take a little bit more perseverance and resilience yeah. through your accomplishments, what you've already done more than maybe like reinventing the wheel. Yeah, totally. Totally. I think it's the pairing of the nine of wands and the seven of pentacles is interesting mm-hmm. to me because of that. It's like, yeah. they're like, you can sort of like set the groundwork, but then it's still going to feel exhausting. Like, mm-hmm. even though the groundwork has been set, it's still right. Be, I mean, you'll feel like, make sure that you remind yourself that you should be really proud of everything you're doing, but also there's going to be that feeling of like, mm-hmm. just being kind of, of treading water almost. Yeah, Totally. Okay, so then how can Emma best support her students? <laughs> I got the chariot and the king of wands. Okay, I got the ten of wands and the ten of pentacles. I think just like, sh- I think that the key is just going to be to show confidence and strength and like, yeah. and like perseverance, but also like, 
let people know, let people mostly see the side of you that's like, we freaking got this. It's going to be a lot, but we can do it. Like, yeah. Striking the balance. I think that having those four four cards and having the 10 of wands be one of them is mm-hmm. like three really strong and established and powerful and like winner cards and mm-hmm. one that's exhausted. So maybe striking that balance of like three quarters of the time, 75% of the time you're showing strength. And then 25% of time you're showing the resiliency that you've had to mm-hmm. engage in and that you believe your students can engage in. Yeah. And that will like sort of model the appropriate boundaries because we should be, Hopefully we want everyone to be like 75% sure that everything will be okay. Right. <laughs> but we still have to acknowledge the trauma that we're all going through now. Yeah. Especially with the, t- when the 10 of ones came out, I was like, Oh, exhibit that compassion. That yeah. thing that seven year olds are going through a rough time too. Because I think yeah. a lot of adults that aren't aware of their children, they just think like, Oh, the kids are fine. They're on the computer. They're fine. But just recognize, and this is hard and weird for kids too. Yeah. And, and so acknowledging that and, and allowing that and allowing yourself to acknowledge that to them, you yeah. know, saying like, I know it's really hard right now. Everything's really strange, but we're going to do this. We're going to do this together because we're a team and show that, you know, vulnerability solidarity. to them in solidarity. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It does feel like a lot of solidarity, especially with the 10 of pentacles. Also. Yeah. Very like, if you so. think about the imagery on that card, it is, like, adults and children being together. And so mm-hmm. I think that showing the resiliency and showing the, like, we're going to keep pushing and we're going to keep getting through this of the chariot mm-hmm. is kind of, like, your best bet for making sure that they feel seen and also that, like, you're not having to just, like, shoulder the weight of all of the trauma and anxiety of all these seven-year-olds. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, good luck, Emma. Yeah, totally. So much, so much empathy for yeah, totally. what you're going through right now. Totally... I, it's like really hard to not have answers. You yeah. Know? Like, and it's especially hard to not have answers when your job is to have answers. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's one thing just on a personal level to not know what the heck the next steps look like, but it's a whole other thing when you have people who are asking you like. Expecting you to like, know. Right, yeah, yeah. And you're just like, I don't know. And I also can't make you feel better and not being able to make people feel better is really hard for those of us who like doing that and who do that regularly and have always been able to do that in some way. Right. All right. A question from Caitlin short version. I need advice and guidance on how not to feel like I'm not doing enough slash not good enough background. I've been working on my mental, emotional health for a while now because I feel that I need to be at peace with myself And my actions to have a full, a truly fulfilling and whole spiritual practice. It's been hard work with more breaking down than I'm proud of. That's part of it, Caitlin. Don't give yourself grief about it. But I've been making progress. I know with my thinking brain that I'm a better friend and all around person than I was, but I keep getting stuck feeling like I suck. I don't know why that was so hard for me to say. (laughs) To make matters worse, I get anxious about continuously asking my friends and partner to reassure me, even though they've expressed that they're willing to. All I want is to feel solid enough to move forward, but instead I often feel like I'm spinning. I think like the meme of what people think spiritual growth is like versus what it's actually like, where it's like, a, a, I know there's like an actual mathematical term for this, but like a straight upward trajectory, uh-huh. line, whatever right. that graph is called. Versus like one that is all meandering and chaotic and right, you know, right, back right. and forth or whatever. 
that has stuck with me ever since I saw it because I really do feel like we, I, and actually maybe this is like too hot of a take for, but it's daylight now. So it's daylight. My, so it's the hottest time. My so gloves go are off. For it, exactly. I almost feel like it's sort of this like toxic Christianity perspective thing because the idea of grace making you a good person or forgiving you of your sins or whatever has become really ingrained in sort of like all of American and largely Western uh, ideology. And so Mm -hmm. we let that seep through to our general spiritual growth to even if we're not identifying as a Christian with the idea that like once we've and also I think that like goes into sobriety culture Mm -hmm. with the 12 step program. So that's really ingrained in our culture too. But like the idea that admitting it's a problem is the step to create change rather than like admitting. I think that the, I know that technically admitting the problem is the first step in the 12 step program, but I do feel like because of that sort of toxic, toxic Christianity forgiveness thing, it's like, the idea is that once you acknowledge it's a problem, then it shouldn't be a problem anymore. Oh, removes yeah, yeah, yeah. all of the hard work that uh-huh. you have to have done. So like when a, a murderer says, I found Jesus, I'm fine. It's like, are you though? Because uh-huh. you just found Jesus. You haven't actually like resolved what led you to be this violent murderer. Like right. it's, and I know that people are so oft to forgive people in those ways, but I do think that there's like, sort of this general toxicity and the idea that we have to have this really linear spiritual growth. Right. And so if you feel like you're backtracking or having moments where like your old self that you aren't proud of is like showing through, Uh I do think that that's normal and good and being able to recognize like, Oh, here's a trigger to what causes me to behave in a way that I'm not proud of. Right. Is all part of that growth. Right. It is. And it's like seeing that in yourself and be like, and identifying it is what helps you progress on in this journey. Because yeah, if you totally. just like just saw it once and was like, I'm cured, I'm fine. And then just kind of shoved it down. That's Man, phenomenal. I'm great now. I'm so yeah. good at everything. I never yeah. hurt anyone's feelings. Ever. <laughs> and also like as someone who has struggled with like believing other people or trusting other people. Oh, I didn't even think about that component. Sometimes you also have to tell yourself, this person said, I love you. This person is not mad at me believe them because if you don't believe them you're not trusting them as an individual and trusting them as a friend and that's kind of it became a sense of betrayal almost like I'm betraying their words when they have told me sincerely yeah they love me and that they care for me and that they're not mad at me and that they 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 want to listen to me so it's it's almost like retraining that brain like trigger where it becomes like, wait, whoa, like if I, if I think this where I'm not trusting their words, this means that I'm not trusting them as a person. This means that I'm betraying who they are to me. Like I'm making them this thing that they're not in my brain. Yeah. That's interesting. So, you know, and you've joked with our friend Claire about this before that I am not passive aggressive. Like my method of communication is really straightforward and right. I never say something that other people could perceive as me being like fake about it. Like I'm, I'm, if I say something like, you know, man, that meant so much to me or wow, you know, like it was so cool that you X, Y, or Z. I'm not right. ever saying it sarcastically. I always truly mean those things. Right. But you're totally right that a lot of the time, and I think that like, that's a conversation that we've had. Right. Is I, I, 
if I were mad, I would say, here's what I'm frustrated. Exactly. Because for me, because the household I grew up in because of how I was, you know, either innately trained because I'm cancer rising cancer moon, (laughs) all of that water where, you know, everything is in the implications, everything is implied. And so if Holly doesn't say say anything to me, then therefore it means she's mad at me. And I've had to tell myself many times, like, no, Holly has said to you 400 billion times, if she's mad at you, she will talk to you. Yeah. And And also like, I think that that's maybe less the passive aggressive, but more the implication. What you said is totally right. I'm not ever trying to imply something. Right. I'm just saying exactly what I'm What's, thinking. What and so I think that that's right. like the, uh, you're exactly right. It's like, if you think people are trying to imply something, then you're both not trusting that they're being honest with you and also putting yourself in the position where you're always trying to look for the implications of exactly. their words rather right. than just accepting them. So yeah. I think that that's totally, totally accurate for what Caitlin's kind of describing of like, you want the constant reassurance from your friends and loved ones because you're looking for things that they're implying within those words. Like if I mm-hmm. say to Esther, and this is 100% hypothetical, so don't right. worry. I won't, Esther. I won't start crying on air. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but if I, I mean like what would even be a good example? Okay. So we were, we usually record on Wednesdays and yeah. yesterday I was having a really weird morning and then you had dinner with your friends tonight because you weren't planning on rescheduling recording, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) So if I said, wow, Esther, it was so kind of you to allow us to reschedule. I'm phrasing this really intentionally. It was so kind of you to allow us to reschedule for Thursday. What I'm saying is I really appreciate that you were willing to reschedule because I was a like wild person yesterday morning. (laughs) I was not able to get my brain into the right place. But if you were looking for the implication, right. Somebody who's like been trained because of their circumstances to look for the implication, what you would hear is, did she not expect that I'd be easygoing? Did she think that I was going to be more of a pain in the ass? Is she really actually upset that I had dinner with my friends? And so we had to record at a different time. Does she not think I do have other friends besides, you know, her? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You can find those implications if you like, I mean, I think that there's like a sensitivity level and also just Mm -hmm. if people have treated you that way in the past, like you've been trained to look for implications because other people in your life, have done that to you. Mm -hmm. And so then when you're around people who, when you're like, I just need an honest answer. And I say something that I'm not thinking like, Oh, the wording of this might sound kind of like I'm saying that she shouldn't be, you know, doing things late at night or that I'm being like, like, you know, rude because we're still in a pandemic and she's going to dinner with friends. Like all of these things were assuming implications that aren't necessarily there. And especially with your loved ones, you just have to trust that they would, be honest with you. Right. If exactly. there were a problem. <laughs> right. Right. And sometimes if you think that's happened, this is something that I've kind of like dawned on me this past week, just like squash it immediately say, Hey, yeah. let's have a conversation. I want to squash this and like approach it like in a non confront, you know, confrontational, confrontational way. Yeah. I was like confrontational. Cause, Cause now the other thing is that it's really late for Esther because we had to record. Later. Oh, right. And so then like the implication of Esther, like if you let your brain go into a place where you're trying, to find implications of uh-huh. things people are saying when it's Esther said sorry my words aren't coming to me because it's so late if I were feeling like she were trying to imply something to me my brain would say she's mad because you were supposed to record yesterday and you didn't follow through and so you're a bad friend right. and no one wants to record with you and like it's just yeah it's so easy to go down that path but you exactly. just with loved ones especially have to not 
Yeah. You, you really have to retrain your brain. And it's still sometimes hard for me because when you're trained to act on implications and to look at all these little signs and to react or respond and to make sure everyone's okay, it's very weary on you. And it's very difficult to retrain yourself. Like, with it's me- part of our spiritual it's our, growth. It's our, it's our spiritual, spiritual growth, and it's part of like relating with people on in a healthy way. Yeah, totally. And even if like you like you have these conversations with your friends, like you know, like Holly and I will have like, okay, I, I know that you're when you're mad at me, you do this, so keep it consistent. Like when yeah. you're mad at me, what do you do? <laughs> you know, when you're mad at me, what will happen? You know, so you know, I, yeah. so like I can kind of pre anxiety, like okay, wait. Holly's not mad at the me. The worst or she would do case this. scenario is that we would have to have a conversation in right. this way. Like right. that's the worst. If case my scenario. husband's mad at me, this is how he reacts, you know, yeah, and totally. kind of knowing those people in your life. So you can retrain your brain to not follow those little rabbit trails down a spiral of anxiety. Right. And I think, and I, my mom has talked about this, but I'm 100% sure that it probably has a deeper source than just Tina, but <laughs> I'm still going to give credit to her. Um, but the, I, and she, I probably learned it from like a yoga teacher or something, but basically like there's like, if you envision your behavior in your brain as a stone, once you've carved those water lines through the stone, those canyons through the stone of like, this is the way things are. This is how people are interacting with me. This is what's going on. It's easiest for the water to keep going down that channel, which just Mm -hmm. makes it deeper and deeper and deeper. It's harder to say that channel was wrong mm-hmm. and now I need to find way other ways for that water, that information I'm receiving to like, you know, go through this rock basically yeah. that isn't through that same channel of assuming that people are doing X, Y, or Z. Yeah. That's really beautiful. Thank you, Queen Tina. For that. Yeah. Thanks Queen Tina. Yeah. Uh, but I just, yeah. So anyway, I think that like kind of like both tr- learning to trust these people, but also reminding yourself that this retraining is part of yes. your growth. Like this is not something that we, I mean, Esther and I have been friends for like what, three years, four years. Yeah. Three or four years. And I think that like us being comfortable enough to even talk about that sort of thing, like what right. I'm implying, what she's receiving or vice versa is uh-huh. something that we've grown into. Right. Like, I think we've been doing it for like two years pretty solidly. Like we're really good at it with each other, right. but also we have this really unique relationship where we're friends and also have a podcast. podcast together, so it's right. not like, like we have to rely on each other for a lot more stuff than just like right. normal friendships. But I think that like, that's part of the growth process is learning how to navigate that. And also how to basically say to somebody like, Hey girl, I can sense that you're really stressed out and pulling back and going into your cancer shell and let's right. talk about it. Also right. now my Google just, is listening to everything I'm saying and transcribing it on my phone. That is hilarious. Leave me alone. I said, Hey girl, not Hey Google. But yeah, I think like, you know, these people, you know that they love you. And so saying, I know that I'm asking for a lot of reassurance, but here's why is also part of that conversation. Right. Right. I guess we should maybe answer a question with tarot cards instead of just life advice. I know it's like, well, I've been through like, uh, like I've been through this, but it's been, yeah. a, it's been a process. I also think there's so much gendered stuff with it because there's so much expectation that we as like little girls are not being mean or putting pressure mm-hmm. or like expecting like immediate responses to everything we're doing. So even if you think about the way that 
we're sort of all socialized, maybe all millennials. I don't even want to say that it's just women, but I do feel Mm -hmm. like it's the pressure's heavy on women to do this is like all millennials write emails where they're like adding a lot of exclamation points and question marks and like, sorry to bother you, but like we're always hedging our shit because we're trained by the adults in our lives to try to soften those concerns. Exactly. So it is understandable why we would then be also training ourselves to look for those implications Mm -hmm. so that when somebody says something like, Per my last email, all of us as our you know cultural <gasps> contract understands that that's a big old fuck you to the person you're sending it to. Like yeah. all of us know the implication of stuff like that because we've all been trained to read into those implications. Right. But with interpersonal relationships, it just has to be a little bit more upfront. Right. And you really have to like literally tell yourself to believe the other person and believe yeah. in their love because sometimes you can't like legit feel their love. Sometimes other things are going on and that's really difficult. So training your brain. No, they love me. They respond this way. We respect each other. I will not allow that to poison my relationship with this person because that's what essentially what these thoughts do in the the end. Yeah. And they're intrusive. So you have to do it every single time they come Mm -hmm. in. You can't just say like, I'm not going to read implications into things people say to me anymore. It's really hard. Yeah, it's really hard. And it's constant work because we have done it our whole entire lives. Yep. Yep. So you just have to, I mean, I think that like both of my parents, my my parents have always been like this even before the whole recovery thing Mm -hmm. um, and the whole not drinking anymore thing. But the idea that we just have to assume that people are trying their best with the information they have is also a helpful step. Just when people are being dicks, I mean, this isn't, universal, but especially in small one-on-one interactions with people, people are doing the best with the information that they have available to them. And Mm -hmm. this is not a worldwide truth. Like I'm not going to say that like, you know, fascists or Nazis are doing the best with the information they have. But when you're talking to a single individual Mm one-on-one reminding yourself of that little adage can sometimes help because we do get so like, why aren't why isn't this person understanding where I'm coming from? And right. they are not understanding where you're coming from, but are you understanding where they're coming from? Exactly. Am I going to get canceled for this? No. I just think on in one on one interactions with people you actually know and love and know right. that they love you, it's helpful to remember that everyone's trying their best. Exactly. If, I yeah. don't think that extends in a healthy, the yeah, or healthy, rela- yeah, healthy relationships. This is how dynamics should. Yeah. Be. Thank you. That's what I mean. I don't mean. <laughs> generally everyone's right. trying their best. I mean, in interpersonal healthy relationships between one person and one person, assuming that you're misunderstanding and that they actually aren't trying to be a dick to you is helpful right. yeah. until you're proven. Otherwise. I mean, like if they are trying to be dicks, then they don't then deserve to dick, have yeah. you in their lives. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's the other component of it is like not being friends who make you feel like you don't deserve reassurance. Yeah. Is the way to go. Like if people yeah. make you feel bad for wanting reassurance that you're still you loved and valuable not a to them. person anymore. Yeah. You, know, you just know that they're not trustworthy with your heart right at the moment and that you'll have to revisit and recommunicate with them your needs. Exactly. Jesus Christ. I have so many feelings about this apparently. <laughs> This is what happens so, when we record in the daylight in the very, I know very I, it needs midnight. to be early in the morning. Cause I'm way more concise. I spend way too much time thinking during the day and I just get too wordy. I also was working on a secret project this morning for several hours. So I'm just all over the place anyway. So card reading for this sort of thing, I think baby 
baby. I think baby. Thank you, Holly. I think basically. <laughs> I like this new nickname, though. Thank you. What if I started calling you baby? <laughs> we would never, that would literally never, ever work because all I can think of whenever I hear that word is the Justin Bieber song. Oh, and also how my sister's name is Katie. And right. when she was in charge of a summer camp, all of her campers would change lyrics to songs. Anything where people said baby, they would change it to Katie and sing it to her all the time. <laughs> so that's a tip for my friends with friends named Caitlin Katie. or Katie Caitlin. is you can change. It has the same number of syllables and the same noises. So everything rhymes. Yeah. Sort of. Sort of. Half rhymes. <laughs> Any song with baby can be changed to a song about somebody named Katie. Katie. Wow. <laughs> They'd Back be like, to the day, everybody. Katie, Katie, Katie. Oh, like Katie, Katie, Katie. Well, now any Katie can download this episode and then clip and trim that MP3 and have it as their ringtone. And I may upload it for Patreons tomorrow because we have a few Katies in our Patreon. <laughs> we do. There's we a do. couple. There's like three or four. Uh, my sister went into our Wildly Tarot Facebook group to oh, ask she did. for dream interpretation help. <laughs> I was like, is this really the Katie? And then I was yeah. looking at the picture. I was like, that is this Katie. This is Katie. It was just so random. But she always comes to me with dream interpretation help. So she thought that the Wildly Tarot group would be a good place for it. But then she realized that we don't have the same last name. <laughs> And was like, oh, just for clarity, like, I am my sister. I understand this is not a dream interpretation group. I think people would have still been, like, encouraging, like, oh, she's lost. Let's still help her. Yeah. Poor sweet summer child. What's happening here? Okay. So maybe just, like, some steps to start. Well, because I guess the crux of the issue is that she's feeling stuck. But I think the reality of the issue is just... That she's not trusting her progress. So maybe yeah. like. What to addition- do when these like intrusive thoughts come. Like yeah. maybe like practical steps of like what to do when she finds, you know, like when she finds herself feeling stuck or these intrusive thoughts are making her feel like she sucks. Because I think that's yeah. what it is. Is that it's not that she's not progressing. It's not that she's not doing the work. It's just that these intrusive thoughts are sort of yeah, getting her, in the making way. her feel like yeah. she's not doing anything. So. Mean brain is mean. I know. Sometimes you just have to like recognize your mean brain, give it a name and like shut yeah. up Patrice basically. I do think that uh, like we've been since we became friends joking about mean brain. And I really oh, yeah. do feel like joking about mean brain helps a lot oh, yeah. in recognizing when your thoughts are your own and when your thoughts are those intrusive mean brain thoughts that don't yeah. deserve your time or space. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So steps to take when those intrusive thoughts enter your brain. Yes. Steps to take when mean brain happens. Yeah. Step. How to break out of mean brain. Maybe I'll Ooh, write nice a spread, spread about it. Oh, well, oh. that's interesting. What did you get? I got the fool and the magician. And I got the four of wands and the eight of cups. Oh. Which I really the, love. Yeah. Because I think the magician and the four of wands are speaking to a certain level of like control and victory over those thoughts. Mm-hmm. And then the fool and the eight of cups is like combined almost as like opt to focus on something else. Like yeah. opt to choose another cup, opt to do the scary 
thing step off that cliff into mm-hmm. another, like choose, right. I'm not going to think about that or yeah. I'm not going to focus on this and just like force yourself to redirect. Right. Yeah. Redirect, go on another path because both of the full and the eight of cups are traveling cards. Like both mm-hmm. of them are in that process of traveling. It's just something new redirect your thoughts redirect your brain and recognize as a magician you have the power to like not determine your own happiness i don't want to feel like you know there's like a guilt if you don't obtain a quote-unquote happiness (laughs) yeah but at the same time like you have like when these intrusive thoughts happen you have the power to direct them to a different place and maybe the thing you could direct it towards is that four of wands energy of like just kind of like joyful success whatever yeah. like focus like these on are the my relationships thing. that are successful in this way my relationship yeah. with my boyfriend is successful in this way my relationship with my friends is like this it's not like these like seven of cups thoughts these illusions yeah. that are in your brain that are allowed to be there. or even it might also be helpful to differentiate between different people's like between your relationship with different people yeah so if something is going poorly with one friend you can say i'm gonna choose not to focus on what I think they implied. I'm going to choose to focus on this really great communication moment I had with my boyfriend or with one of these other friends or whatever. So rather than it being like holistically friendships. Right. Right. Or holistically relationships, it's like each individual connection. Mm -hmm. And then you can focus on the positive that came out of that interaction and maybe also use that to draw some inspiration of how to interact with people. If you're feeling like they're implying or upset or whatever. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I'm excited for you, Caitlin, because I know how much it has helped me to be able to like not get fixated on stuff and mm-hmm. to allow mean brain to say what it needs to say and then freaking leave me alone. Yeah. And it's really helpful. Yeah. And you're doing great. You're on the right path. It's not yeah. supposed to be like from, one point to, you know, from point A to point B and you're healed, you're, you know, enlightened. It's not that. Yeah. It's, it's going to be windy. It's going to be like messy and that's okay. Yeah. Because all of us are not just going on a spiritual journey or like a growth journey. We're also still having to deal with all of our history. Yeah. And so backtracking is so understandable. Yeah. Awesome. Well, good luck, Caitlin. Yes, we love you. And if you'll let people call you Katie, which I know a lot of Caitlin's hate, then you'll have many a song written after you. Or you can just do it. like, Caitlin, Caitlin, Oh, Caitlin, that's true. Oh. I guess it's really any two-syllable, two-syllable name. name but I think Holly and Esther don't work as well. No. Est- Esther is very harsh. Like No. Esther. Like that very harsh R at the end. No one wants, any singer doesn't want to end any song with an R. An R. That's yeah, true. Exactly. That's true. So. And Holly just makes everything Christmassy immediately, whether we want it to or not. So my birthday's in May. (laughs) Okay. I don't think we have any announcements this week. We're just trucking. Yeah. Just trucking. If at any time you feel hardship financially, please don't feel like you need to continue sponsoring us on Patreon. Oh yeah, totally. We, because we we don't, (laughs) we don't want you to feel bad at all. If you can't, I mean, we appreciate every single dollar that comes towards us through Patreon or through once off donations. But Esther and I both luckily still have full-time jobs and the Patreon money goes towards helping with like shopkeep with the wildly tarot and wildly Lenormand decks and other sort of like general podcast expenses. But 
We also understand that it's a really hard time financially for a lot of people right now. And Mm -hmm. if we are a expense that you can't make work, we're, our feelings aren't hurt. We totally exactly, get it. yeah. And there's there's no reason to like email us and apologize for anything because frankly, yeah, there's we don't care. For. Like, there's nothing to apologize for. We love <laughs> yeah. you, and we you know we want to just make a you know just enhance your life in however way we can. And the Patreon is one yeah. way we can do that, but it's not necessary at all for you to feel like financially hurt by supporting us. So. Yeah, totally. Exactly. Exactly. We are here to entertain you and to be your friends and it is okay if the patreon can't be part of that yeah yeah and it's great if it can yeah so donna thank you for (laughs) yeah yeah i just want to leave that disclaimer because there's been a push lately for people to financially like dig in their pockets deeper than possible you know they could possibly do so and we just wanted to make sure that it was clear that we did not expect we will still love you if you can't support us financially like it's that's not we adore you yeah Yeah. we adore you no matter what exactly i mean definitely keep being part of our life that's the other awkward thing is that sometimes people will stop supporting us on patreon and then stop like dming us and participating in our facebook group and that always, because they're like embarrassed that they're not mm-hmm. on Patreon anymore. And if it's because you just don't like us, that's fine. I also yeah. don't want to hear about it. But if it's that you feel like some sort of shame for not being able to support us on Patreon anymore, don't feel yeah. that because we no. don't feel that towards you. Exactly. We understand the economy is different and hard and ever changing. And yep. we're just so glad to have, have the support, our the voices awesome in your earbuds. Yeah, exactly. All right, Donna, you are getting your Patreon shout out this week and I will pull a card for you. And dear Donna. Okay, Donna, your card is the nine of pentacles. Oh, I love the nine of pentacles. I love it. Such a good card. All right, let's get to our deck review. This week, we are talking about Star Seeker Tarot from the Van Mystic, Nikki uh, Ferrata, the Van Mystic on Instagram. And uh, this was a Kickstarter deck that both of us supported, but it is available now still. And what she says about it is the land, sea and sky of the star seekers is one of magic and mundane bound together in a single breath. This is the land that lives within me, something in between a parallel dimension and a fairy tale. I think for many sensitives, dreamers and healers, life is reflected in a similar multidimensional way. Dream and reality bleed together, adding beautiful layers and depth to life. In part, this deck is a reminder that the bridge between daydream and reality is shorter than we know. Other worlds that live within you have power, just as the earthly realm does. May this deck draw out the worlds within you and blend together beautifully with this one. Uh, So she started the artwork for this deck in March of 2018, and she actually has a Oracle deck that she's working on right now to be a companion to this, which I'm also very excited about. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so you can find this deck on Etsy. We'll tag it in the show notes. Um, And also you can follow the Van Mystic on Instagram. Sorry, my dog is barking in the background. I will probably not be able to get her to stop. That's the other benefit of recording at 5 a.m. normally. Uh, By 8.15, there are people walking on the street and we must all be alerted. Who knew? Who Who knew? knew? Uh, So you can find it on Etsy. And it's also like linked through the Van Mystic's Instagram page and stuff. So there are 79 cards in this deck rather than yes. 78. I could not find the 79th card for the first 
two months I had this deck. You're like, what are you talking I'm about? Like, the seven, I'm sure there's 79 cards, but I haven't seen it yet. So Yeah, because it's card number 22. So it yes. comes at the end of the Major Arcana very sneakily. So the 79th card is card number 22. It's called The Womb. Yeah. And it's really beautiful, like everything in this card. Yes. The card has sort of like a vibe of like paper cutouts almost, mm-hmm. overlaid, like sort of a more traditional collage rather than collages of images. It's right. collages of paper styles. Yes. And the, I'll just read about the womb because I know that that can be a little bit weird for people mm-hmm. uh, because it's a little bit like cis to right. have a card that's focused on a body part right? Um, in like a spiritual way. But the womb is, I am here waiting and receiving and passive hibernation. I am not ready to transform though. I am not resisting. I'm surrendering. I wait and am open. I embrace and allow myself to flow, to ebb and flow with the natural rhythm and progression of life. I wait. I watch as my environment feeds me and I expand in response Soon I will grow too large for comfort of this embryo. I will puncture these walls and push forward to meet the air. I will take the gifts that sustained me in suspension and meet them with my own. Things are moving, even if you're not aware of it yet. For now, observe, absorb, and flow. You'll know when it's time to take action. So I think that for non-womb havers, some of that energy is still relatable, like yes. sort of releasing control and just like accepting changes mm-hmm. and like feeling things out and that sort of waiting period. So even if you do not have a womb, it's not like gendered so that you would need to have experienced having a womb or having a uterus or having reproductive organs in order to understand what Nikki's use of the card is. Right. Right. So, um, it is a standard size. It's like regular sized deck, uh, Mm -hmm. Two and two, like two and three quarter inches by four and three quarter inches. I think it's like so standard that there's not even really anything to mention about it. It, it feels right. slightly narrower to me, but not significantly yeah. enough. Like it's a really good size for shuffling. Yeah. Well, and compared to others that have like this rose petal sort of feel to it, this is like not a typical rose petal deck. It's like a linen, like a linen rose petal. Yeah. It, the cards are thinner where you can shuffle it and it's not going to hurt your hands. Like right. um, Vindor deck is a little bit thicker. Muse Tarot is a little bit thicker. This is thinner. Yeah. It's really so it's nice. 350 GSM. And I think that Muse is 400. Yeah. So it is, it is, I think that the problem with rose petal finish is that not everyone agrees with exactly what that means. And sometimes it's perceived as being a lot stickier than Mm -hmm. this is. Yeah. But this is really, it's slightly more friction than like Mm -hmm. a standard glossy deck, but it's not so much friction that you can't, like if I rub them together, it's fine. Yeah. They'll move. It's like, you could fan it out really easily. It's actually Kind of an ideal card. Yeah, I really like this. Yeah, I really, really like it. So, so, I mean, Rose Petal, don't let that turn you off if you have the idea of it It's a different sort of finish of Rose Petal than what you're used to. The edges are matte purple, which I'm obsessed with. I love them so much. (laughs) I just like the, just the whole, the whole backs and the the sides are just perfect to me. It's so so dusty and like, so... The Nikki and I have talked about this a lot because we're both Tauruses. <laughs> so somehow I feel like this feels ethereal, but also earthy because of the mm-hmm. purple tone. It's not yes. like, like 
spacey or like no. celestial, but there mm-hmm. are so many components of stars, celestial bodies, universal mm-hmm. energy, but it all feels really grounded. I think because yeah. the purple is a tiny bit dustier mm-hmm. and the imagery having it look as though it's like collage paper cut mm-hmm. together. It just feels really like tangible and physical to me. Almost. Yeah. It's, and I think it was executed beautifully with this whole dreamy sense with almost all the cards. Like it's not solely in a physical realm. It's not solely in a ethereal realm. It's a really nice blend of them together. And, um, and yeah, it's, it's a really, really effective way of communicating images on the, the cards. Yeah, totally. It also has a like clamshell style, hard two piece box, which makes it very, small enough to cart around but still yes. really sturdy yes. um and the guidebook is 100 pages it doesn't have card images in it beyond um actually no it doesn't have any card images but it does have full page definitions for each mm-hmm. of the cards which is great yeah um and it also has a couple of spreads and um some additional information in it too so yeah. it's and very has some, like complete meditation and grounding exercises other tarot exercises it's really really nice introduction if you've never had a different tarot deck than an RWS deck this is really like good training like little deck totally. for you to get and actually, like, apparently we just are going to fangirl or I'm going to fangirl about I'm Nikki too. Tr- I am holding myself back so much. <laughs> I know. You have no Follow idea. her on Instagram. If you're on Instagram, you need to be following the Van Mystic because not only is she really, really thoughtful and super kind, but she also does, like, some educational stuff that I mm-hmm. really find second to none. Right. Like, she's not somebody who feels like she's in it to like sell you anything. Like I think that her, what the goal for her feed is, is to be like somebody that people can feel safe and comfortable learning from. And she executes that so well. Like she's just amazing. And she also writes really beautiful spreads Mm -hmm. and she offers a lot of content just out of the goodness of her heart. So follow her for sure. I've mentioned her spread book before that's available on Etsy. She also had a spread book to go with this version of the Kickstarter that I also supported because like her spreads to me are probably my favorite sets of spreads. They're always very thoughtful, even though they're maybe eight, nine, 10 cards, which is not something I normally go for. Those spreads are usually very deep and very thoughtful. And I want to emulate her so much in everything. (laughs) Like, her bangs are somewhat of my inspiration for my bangs. Oh, really? I was thinking earlier, just when we were recording earlier, that your hair is such a perfect example of a chic shag right now. (laughs) Like it's just perfect. Like the curtainness of the, it just looks amazing. Your hair looks great. Thank you. Thank you. I am. It's driving me crazy because it's so long. I feel like a sheep dog is. No, it looks like just a really chic shag. Okay. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm attempting many, many things with my hair at this moment. And one of them is to become the van mystic and like channel her. Just her story is amazing. And the way that she gives resources to the community without expecting tons of money back is amazing to me. And I will always stand people like that, that give from their hearts and are authentic people. Yeah. And sweet. I mean, she's also, she lives in Santa Cruz, which is very close to my hometown. And so even just following for like 
pictures of the redwoods. Yeah. It's like, she's just awesome. It's I really amazing. love her. She's amazing. Uh, okay, so construct variations. We talked about the additional card, the cultural components. So there are identifiable cultural components in this deck. The LGBT plus community representation mainly comes through in the Ten of Cups. I think right? it's Ten of Cups. Yes, I believe it's Ten of Cups. Ten of Cups or Ten of Pentacles. I believe it was the Ten of Cups. Um, and then also almost 25 cards-ish had identifiably non-white bodies on them. Mm-hmm. And that's a pretty good proportion considering not all the cards have people on them at all. Right, yeah. And some of the people are like, you know, just fully not visible. So it seems like a really naturally inclusive deck. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's super beautiful. Yes. Uh, body shape. I mean, everyone can always work on body shape, but I get it. It's just like <laughs> something that people struggle with, mm-hmm. <laughs> but there's still, I mean, it's not like everyone's like stick. Thin. Oh no. I always yeah. could appreciate. I always appreciate more. Right. Right. It's 10 of pentacles. I found it. 10 of pentacles. Okay. It's it the, is the pent- 10 of yeah, pentacles. pentacles. It's like this beautiful, like per- we would perceive them probably as like femme lesbians mm-hmm. with their children and their beautiful galaxy hair yeah. and <laughs> I just I just love like the mer people in this deck and the galaxies and the it's just so let's talk cool. more about that so l- we kind of talked about how it's like a traditional collage where instead of using existing images collage together it's like it almost existing textures yeah, and it's colors. more like textural sort of collage style where yeah there's like a like if like an ace of wand there's a wand there but the texture of the wand is like a paper sack and it's crinkly like a paper sack. That's yeah. what we're talking about. It's not like an actual like cutout of a wand from a paper sack. It's like there's been a image drawn and that's been filled with. Yeah. Right. Texture. So it's kind of like what, like a peak Photoshop multi-layered sort of experience. Like I really yeah. like this style of collage and like, I think the death card or even maybe the higher font is a better example. Um, but in the higher font, he, it's like a lot of different stone textures, mm-hmm. uh, layered together in collage style. And then the higher fonts coat is galaxy printed. Yes. But it's not like painted on. It's like the actual image of the galaxy is mm-hmm. the coat itself. Yes. And it's really strong because it brings some of that etherealness into the cards and cards that don't typically have that much etherealness. Right. Right. So like even the hermit, the hermit's lantern is mm-hmm. instead of like a traditional lantern, it's like a swirling galaxy in his hand. And mm-hmm. the lightness from that really comes through the sort of like ethereal spiritual energy comes through that lantern in a really real way rather than just being like a depiction of a flame. It's like right, right. a little bit more vibrant in yeah. some ways. Yeah. I just think that the play with textures and it's not like every single thing is a different texture. Some of it is co- like colorized with a drawing mechanism, but it it does like make the image pop on the card itself. It's almost kind yeah. of like a three D image that doesn't pop out of the like in three D. Well, and I think that when we start talking about our favorites, one of the ones that I thought was the most effective at this was the moon card. I guess we could just yes. start talking about our yes, favorites. Yes, favorite, But the moon card is really cool because it is. Easy as moon lovers yes. to have the moon be bright, bright, bright in a moon mm-hmm. card. Like right. even if the rest of it's kind of dark to indicate that unknown and that fear that comes with the Rider-Waite-Smith definition of the moon card, 
a lot of the times the moon itself will still be really bright. But in this one, everything is so muted that even though the moon is beautiful and huge, mm-hmm. it's a full moon. There's all of this like gorgeous moon phase stuff happening around it. There's like an overlay to make it a little bit deeper, mm-hmm. like tone wise that makes yes. that unknown and that like lack of clarity come yes. through, even with this beautiful shiny moon that's being reflected fully on the water below it it just seems so effective because it's a way of muting that card to make it a little bit more mysterious a little bit darker Mm -hmm. without making it scary which i think is the alternative because moon lovers want the moon to be happy joyful mysterious and then people can sometimes go the other way of being like but the moon actually means fear and anxiety and all of this stuff and so then it becomes like way too dark and this is such a good balance of that yes 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 But I guess, yeah, let's move on to our favorite. I guess we can talk about the level of readings it's appropriate for. I think this would be appropriate for anyone. The only variation really is having the addition of the womb card. Right. But everything else is swords, it's pentacles, Mm -hmm. it's cups, it's wands. It aligns really closely with RWS. So it isn't something where like you would be picking it up and going like. Like a new system. What's going on with this? Why why is this weird animal on this card that has nothing to do with, you know, poverty? Yeah. I feel like it's really easy to picture this being something that you'd give to like a 16 year old or like, like a young adult in some way, because it's the colors and the tone are so beautiful Mm -hmm. and it aligns so closely with RWS that it's really approachable. Um, and it's a lot of like teals and blues and purples Mm -hmm. and like more cool tones. And it just feels really kind of like of the moment, but also transcendent in some ways. Yes. Yes. And I also really like the typeface of this Yeah. Deck. Oh, my God. We're such nerds for that. I am obsessed, and I need it in my typeface library. I have yeah. no idea, Nikki, how to tell you how, like, how much, like, I am obsessed with, it's like, It's such a good font. Because when, like, she, like, posted the first card, I was like, what's this typeface? What are these little doohickey <laughs> thingies? Why, where... And then, of course, like, I know typefaces, and so I go try to find it and see anything, and it's, of course, not available. So I am a little bit It's so good. And I also think that, that the more so that good. we have collected decks, the more we're like, no, I'm not buying that because the typeface is... Oh, ri-. like it you just, have no idea. Sometimes it feels like people use... It's such an afterthought to people where it's, yes. like, tonally inappropriate or, like, just a weird choice. And this just suits it super well. Right. Like, even th- because, like, even on cards where... Sometimes on cards, it's very obvious when a title on the card moves from top to bottom. Yeah. Things like that. Here, because the typeface isn't intrusive, you don't feel that. It's seamlessly, like, on one card, it may be at the bottom in white, and on a different card, maybe at the top in black. And that's fine, because it does it seamlessly, and it doesn't take away from the card and the art totally. itself. So Totally. It's just really, really well done. It's really I mean, beautiful. unsurprising. We I mean, we have obsessed. confessed our love. We have more than confessed our love. All we want is the best for her. <laughs> okay, what are your favorite cards, though? Let's talk about your favorite. Okay, so my favorite cards are, I guess I'll start with majors as always. I really love the fool, especially look at the 70s dress that she's wearing. I know. Like, it's, it's so like, good. So and all the like, moons. Ugh. The moons are beautiful, and there's a snake on her arm, and I just love, like, the snake companions all in this deck. They're kind of sprinkled all the way through. Don't think I didn't notice that, that the snake <laughs> companions. So I just really love that. Like, um, And she's, like, stepping on these, f- looks like stones that are floating above the water. It's not even, like, on in the water to me. That's, like, she's kind of 
transcending above them. And I just really love that imagery. Yeah. Hope and joy of going your next steps. Um, Like you mentioned, I really love the hermit just because that orb in his hand is as the universe. It's is so, so good. Cool. It's so, so, so cool. And as also you mentioned, the moon, the moon is, I just think it's just beautiful. Like you said, the, the way it's muted and the, t- and the tone is just so perfect yeah. for that striking that balance between the moon being taken as a negative or a positive connotation. Yeah. Um, it just is really, really perfect. I also, as far as majors go, really love the wheel. It's a spider web with a spider yes, on I love it. That card. And I know it's one of the more like published cards. I want to say I've seen this one like quite frequently, but it's just a beautiful picture and the meaning in the book as well is really thoughtful. Yeah. So I wanted to mention that for sure. I also just like having a spider be non-terrifying. Yeah. And spiders, like, they, they, they're just so precious. Okay. So the star, I do like the star. It's, I think it's some of the imagery that she uses for, like, production stuff. So it's yeah, been totally. seen a lot. That card has been out in the world. It's out so in the world. Because she's, it's like, beautiful. she's, it's the woman sitting on a beach, beautiful yeah. hair. It's just very, like, gentle looking. Yes. Is it, like, this whole deck is very gentle. Um, And the two of cups, I really love this international couple interracial couple like embracing together with these cups mm-hmm. it's so pretty it just kind of reminds me of my husband and i don't you ways. also like how the rainbow that's going from card to or from cup to cuff to has cup. multiple textures yes like it's it's so textural it's just so yes. well done it's really really nice um as well as the nine of wands has a snake or a companion again but also <laughs> like the resilience of sometimes you will feel that sense of like the burdens kind of coming down on you but there's that yeah. resilience that you can keep proceeding on and keep going and my last favorite card is the two of pentacles surprisingly like this one's two kind twos. of like charmed me because like she's just going to her stepping stones the next stepping stones that she's balancing yeah. with her next steps and i just like the thoughtfulness behind that so yeah because it's also a little bit more motion than the two of yes, pe- or the two of pentacles, the two of pentacles. Have, it's not just cool. balancing like juggling it's also progressing forward while yeah you're while you're doing things. it yeah yeah that's awesome so what are your favorites do we have any overlaps we did the moon the hermit and the wheel okay and then I have four other favorites. So I really like the, I guess maybe I'll do my Queens first and then I'll go into Ooh. the numbered. The Queen of Pentacles, obviously I always look for the Queen of Pentacles because mm-hmm. that's my signifier, but I love this Queen of Pentacles because she has a book on the table below her. She's like, there's a lot of tangible physical things. Like she's holding a comb, she's mm. touching her own hair, but there's also the book and the butterflies and it just feels really like, kind of what you want the queen of pentacles to be like. Yeah. Uh, And since Nikki's a Taurus, I'm just making it that (laughs) she did that on purpose because she's also (laughs) identifies with the queen of pentacles. Okay. I also really love the queen of cups because she's like so galaxy oriented. I love her. Can I have that hair? (laughs) I know. Seriously. So it is a mermaid and uh, she's a mermaid with um, like a galaxy fin and also galaxy hair in a different color. And she's just like so beautiful and peaceful. And it brings some of that like emotional, like wholeness and mm-hmm. connection with the universe into yeah. such a physical place, which I really yes. love. I also love the Nine of Pentacles purely because of the textures and colors chosen. The textures in that one is out of control. The textures are so amazing. And I think that this is one that you just kind of have to see because describing Mm -hmm. it sounds bananas. Bananas. It really does. But she's wearing like a crinkled green textured dress and has this sort of like galaxy print navy 
long cardigan over it. She's holding this really cool textured hawk. Her hair goes from like dark to gray and it just feels so accomplished. And like that nine of pentacles accomplishment energy comes through really strongly with it. Yes. Yeah, it really does. And then last but not least, I thought that this one was kind of interesting because the four of swords is so consistently drawn as somebody sleeping. Like oh, even yes. if they're not doing the mausoleum thing, it's always right. that kind of piece of like pe- like sleeping. And this one is the four swords turned into wind chimes. Mm, mm-hmm. And I think that that's really special and thoughtful because there is that element of wind chimes being used to convey peace. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like gentle and right. like calming. And like, if you ever go to like a yoga retreat, they'll always have like gigantic wind chimes right. somewhere. <laughs> and so it feels like that to me. Yeah. And I like that because I think that the mausoleum view is so commonly used that it was nice to see a variation. Yeah. And it's, uh, to me, it also kind of conveys like putting up your sword. Like there's no reason to have your swords down. Yeah. Like, they're all totally. up there. Like lay it down. Just like put it up, let it ding dong away. <laughs> <laughs> when my parents left their small house to move back into my childhood home, my mom had bought my dad wind chimes that were like probably six feet tall, mm-hmm. like six feet long. And they put them up in a meadow in a big giant tree that was kind of away from the house. Uh But you could still hear it because they lived in, I mean, it's a rural area. So you could still hear them. And when they moved, they just left them there. Oh my gosh. That sounds like like something from the village. They set up those wind chimes so they could hear them in the the village from. Oh, I've never seen it. I know the plot of the village, but I've never seen it. So I just have to. There's some like wind chimes involved. I'm like, wow, that's then people that moved in there are like, what kind of creepy cult is in these? <laughs> yeah, seriously, maybe. Um, but okay. So WTF cards, I didn't really have any that were really WTF. Yeah. And I've already talked about the Hierophant the w- as one that yeah. isn't, a f- I'm never going to have a favorite Hierophant. I yeah, just yeah, can't yeah, yeah. emotionally do that, I think. But I do really love the textures used. And then another card that I think we could talk about, even though it isn't either of our favorites, is the death card. Yes. Kind of for similar reasons. I think that the textural components of the bones that are sticking Mm -hmm. out of the black cloak are really cool looking. Yes. And it still is a little bit creepy, but I love all of the corvids flying around behind him. And the idea that the it, like the figure inside of the cloak is just like a black sky with stars. Yes. Like it's not, there's no features. It's just right. kind of like a, a starry void. And I right. really like that for the death card. It's very, very striking death card. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's like kind of creepy because you know me with faces and if there's no face, like it's kind of a bit creepy. <laughs> but it's very effective as a card that can convey that change and that unknown that comes with that change. Totally, totally. All right, so now it's time to pull a card that is going to represent our relationship with the deck. This has been my, like, bed deck, like, the past yeah. four weeks. It was on like, my bedside table, too. It's a very, like, <laughs> gentle deck, so I'll, like, usually pull with cards for, like, my evening or stuff like that, so Aww. I just really like it so much. I like it so much, too. It's so good. Mm-mm. Oh, and I pulled the Empress Very nice. for my relationship with the deck. I think the Empress really speaks to how much I respect her creative process because every time I look at it, I'm just like, wow, that's really beautiful. And then the Empress being about yeah. that is great. And I got the Ten of Cups. Aw, so, yay. I love it so much. What good readings. I know. It's such a good deck. Yes. Thank you for making it, Nikki. It looks great. I yes. love it. And we love you. Next week, we will review 
a tarot deck. of the gorgon yeah yes, kind of vintagey yeah it's still available but it is not new but no. it's super cool and round yeah. and we yes. dig it <laughs> like the so size of the cd <laughs> yeah exactly i wonder if that small size is even available to purchase or if you can only buy it in the i don't know we'll we will look. find out we'll when find we out. research for next week's episode <laughs> All right, so that's our show. Don't forget to send us your questions. You can find all of our contact information at wildlytarot.com, including a place to ask questions, to submit questions, and we appreciate it. And also tell your friends about us and write review us. It helps us grow, and we, as always, we really appreciate your kind words. You can also follow us on Instagram at Wildly Tarot Podcast or join our Facebook community by searching for Wildly Tarot Podcast on Facebook. And also, you can join our Discord. We will be linked in the show notes. Oh, yeah. Good call. And uh remember <laughs> how did i just forget that that's how we end every single episode? every single episode <laughs> and remember go forth and tear wildly this week we love you so much we do <laughs> we mean it for real no implications <laughs> nothing at all believe our words when we say that we love you